Blog Talk Radio. Seven years, 
And it was really at that point where I actually had to make a decision, really a career decision. And there were two tracks in which I was uh, going to actually take, or at least at least they had those two career opportunities in front of me. It was to stay in the development career path and really work my way as a developer and an architect and, and a, a lead uh, developer, or uh, work my way up into the management ranks. And it was really at that point where uh, I had decided to actually work my way in the management ranks. And from there, uh, leaving Cigna, I then went to work for a consulting company um, called TSC, based out of Chicago. And it was really there where I started to work with various clients uh, consulting with TSC, uh, doing management consulting. And it was really at that point where uh, I really focused in on my, my management skills uh, I was able to work for other corporations uh, in the project management arena. Uh, so, as you mentioned, PMP, I, I got myself certified uh, from that standpoint. But within the project management rank, has always been technical. I know there are lots of uh, project managers out there that actually are PMP certified, uh, but they are certified in certain areas. But my career track has primarily been focusing on strictly uh, technology. And I would say at that point, I was working for uh, TSC. Uh, we did a lot of traveling. It was the, the journey from the Monday through Thursday, um, being in the airports and going from city to city. And I did that for uh, several years. And it was at that point, from a personal standpoint, um, my, my wife and I, we actually had our first child. And from there, I was looking for opportunities that, I could actually stay a little closer to home. And so from there, I started doing uh, some independent consulting. And uh, from the independent consulting, what my goal there was is to work on various projects, large projects, uh, that, will, that was going to really enable my, my skill set from a project management of managing uh, teams of developers and testers and business analysts and and database uh, uh, systems people to really help either start projects from beginning to end or uh, work on projects where maybe they were in uh, some type of trouble and actually work and make it to completion. Uh, but along the way, I also worked uh, for some other companies, uh, and I was actually a vice president of uh, professional services at a company called Proact Technologies. Uh, in addition to that, um, within my consulting arena, I, I uh, continued to work on other projects there. And along the way, I started working with Charter Global. And at Charter Global, they actually had uh, quite a few large projects with their clients, and they had asked me to come and really work with them uh, to really put a mark um, with the client uh, on behalf of Charter Global. So I did that for several years. And as a result, I ended up uh, really establishing a really good relationship with Charter Global. And that went on for, I want to say, five to six to seven years. And it was really at uh, a certain point where I was talking with the leadership team and 
had conversations around uh, they saw the track record that I was able to uh, accomplish in uh, working on some of these $10 million projects, $20 million projects for them, uh, where they were successful and they're still clients of ours today. Uh, but I was able to uh, do well in that area and I had conversations with the leadership team to say, okay, what can we actually do together next? Uh, and it was at that point where I actually came on board as the managing practice director and part of my role as the practice director was, one, uh, focusing on uh, driving additional revenue, and then, two, uh, working with our clients to actually help them um, have projects to completion successfully. And then I would say about two years ago, I would say I was actually promoted to SVP of Client Service and Strategy. And Part of that role uh, focused on the same uh, concepts under my my previous role as the managing practice director, but it was more uh, larger in a sense of focusing still on revenue, but also uh, providing strategy around how we can actually uh, get Charter Global to the next level. And I would say within the past couple of years, couple of years, uh, we've been able to do that. Uh, we had a very great year in 2014, uh, where we were able to uh, obtain several new clients across the U.S. So we we're very, very excited with that, uh, and very large clients, um, I would say, as well as some medium-sized clients. And really, 2015 is even looking uh, really, really bright. But the one thing I would I would actually say about anyone who is in the or would like to get into the uh, IT profession, um, if you listen to my, my track where I started, started off as a developer and, and then at some point had that decision point to, to, to actually either stay technical or, or actually go management, uh, I would say really both career paths are really good. Uh, I had just chose to uh, go the management route, but I, I would I would encourage and and I think offline I was talking with with Jacqueline, and she was just asking me some of the things about well what what are some of the things that maybe from a lessons learned standpoint that I would maybe do differently or or what have you, uh, but one thing I would I would really say that was was really a a milestone for me, or at least an awareness, was that I had went to school in Florida and I had got my first job in Connecticut. And what I did not realize is that the various universities actually, um, they, they manage their curriculum based on the companies that are within their geographical location. Uh, and you would think that that wouldn't necessarily be the case, but I know when I started at IBM, uh, they were we were developing in PL SQL, and in Florida A&M we were trained in COBOL. But the uh, my colleagues who went to school in Connecticut or up in that north area were actually trained in PL SQL because those schools. We're focusing on the companies that were in that area. So I, I would, one, I would actually say to people who 
are looking to uh, get into the area or if they're in college, uh, that to just do a little additional research in terms of uh, fact-finding. If you are looking to work in a particular area, um, keep in mind that potentially if you go to school in one area and then go to another, another state, um, the curriculums based on what you were taught might be a little different. So that was one thing that I would say um, I had a lesson learned from that standpoint. Absolutely, absolutely. Now this is what's really interesting. You've taken us through, you know, 20 years, and in those 20 years a lot of key decisions had to be made. There were decision points. And and so I'm going to rewind a little bit because we have a diverse audience. We've got young people starting out careers. You know, we we talk to um, young people even in high school and in trying to encourage them to think about STEM. So take us back to high school, Ken, okay. and, and that junior, senior year. What was it that clicked for you? Did, or did you know at that point? Or when did you discover even what your major was going to be in college? I would say what clicked for me in high school was in 10th grade, they had a program that was uh, learning about computers. It was a class for folks who were good in math, and it was the introduction to computers. And I actually took that class, and as a result of that, I really got excited about computers because at that time, uh, that was something new. And even today, it's really still popular and really progressive. But that was really my entry into the reason why I'm in computer science today is because of actually in 10th grade going to that one class being introduced. And part of the STEM program, reaching out to high school students as well as middle school students, is trying to educate and give other children, kids, teenagers, young people, uh, that exposure to be able to know that there are uh, avenues out there that they might not have been um, aware of. Exactly. You know, and that is funny when you said exposure. That really clicked and resonated. It was a big conversation. Uh, we had a town hall meeting with technologists of color here in Atlanta, and that we kept coming back to that. The young people have to be exposed. They don't know what they don't know. And so, you know, STEM is very broad, very wide open. So um, a lot of times people get in their mind that it's just one thing. And, and that kind of even speaks to your journey. You started out, you know, as learning development and coding. Um, and some people think that that's all that IT is. But as we listen to all the different tracks that you took and, and some of the decisions that, that led to that, um, I, that, that's really, again, exposure and those opportunities. So kind of, now let's go to, to college, Ken, and now as you go through college and um, you're even picking where which is going to be your first career or job or opportunity, how did you prepare for that or, you know, what, what was some of the next big decision points? I would say some of the big decision points for me at the time, well, one, it's all about going to internships in college. So that was really key. That gave me exposure into various companies to understand uh, what it would be like to be in that profession. So that, that was one uh, throughout the sophomore and junior year. But 
during that latter of the junior year into senior year, early senior year, was really focusing on the interviewing process. And I would say that I was doing a lot of interviewing, and you only can get one job, but it was all about doing a lot of interviewing. And what it did for me is by doing something repetitively on a consistent basis, you actually get good at it. And you were able to, or at least I was able to, be able to project not only a little bit about myself, but to be able to share and communicate uh, to potential um, hiring managers that I could be the person for them and that if they were to hire me, it would be a good hire. Um, I would say that in terms of location, because I'm originally from Philadelphia, uh, Connecticut was closer to the Pennsylvania area, so that was one of the milestone markers for me in terms of choosing to work at IBM as opposed to there were other companies in the South, Florida, uh, Minneapolis, um, just to name a few, even actually Atlanta at the time. Uh, IBM in Atlanta was, um, had, um, they had interest in me, but at the time I was wanting to go back uh, up north, uh, closer to my home. So that was one of the major milestones for me. Well, awesome. And, and, and David, I know you might want to chime in there. Uh, you're a Philly uh, uh, home homeboy, I guess, <laughs> if you want to say that. But uh, David, did you have any, did you want to follow on to that? I'm sure you do, but in the meantime, I'm going to keep talking because uh, I know I have a, a lot of questions. One of the things that, 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 first of all, the opportunity to go to IBM right out of college, that is um, um, very prestigious. So tell what were some of the things, even helping young people understand, um, what was that interview and selection process? What was it? for you that helped you, you feel maybe, to stand out and differentiate yourself to even be um, picked for such a prestigious organization? So interesting enough, during that process, uh, I actually, there were several offers that were on the table, and at the time when I conducted the on-site interviews, IBM was actually a little slower in making decisions. And interesting enough, I actually had accepted another job because there was one job that was job offer that was on the table, and they gave me a deadline. And even though I liked IBM, IBM at the time wasn't ready to make their decision, and so I had to go with my next best choice. And so I actually had accepted another position. And interesting enough, I would say about a week later, IBM came back and actually made me the offer. And I kindly said to them, I already have accepted a job. And I said, thank you very much. And interesting enough, um, about another week later or a couple of days later after I had the conversation with the recruiter or HR person um, that called me, a, a senior uh, person that was working at IBM 
had called me and said, Ken, I think you're making the wrong decision. And he proceeded to share with me how IBM had many locations, had many opportunities, and depending on wherever you want to live in the world, you can do that at IBM, and that you really need to reconsider. And I said, I believe you, but I already made it, I already accepted this position, and I really don't go back on my commitment if I actually made a commitment uh, to a company. And so um, a lot of conversation went on with that. I had a lot of conversation with my family, my mom and my dad, and eventually I did recant the prior offer and went with IBM, uh, but that was the interesting, I would say, events for my first job. Absolutely. <laughs> and so, you know, and, and like I, I thought or supposed that, you know, there are a lot of those different pivotal moments and decisions and a young person, and, and you know, the interesting thing, you don't know what you don't know. Right. You know, you can look back in hindsight. But something that you said I want to cue off of, um, the, the person reached out to you, which in and of itself means that they, they must have clearly thought highly of you and your, your credentials, but someone taking an interest in you. So let's talk about mentoring and mentors over the years, coaches, sponsors. Um, talk about maybe your experience and, and, and how they have influenced your, your career path and how important that is. So that gentleman who had called me back and uh, convinced me to come to IBM. He was definitely a mentor uh, during that time where he was able to, because he was already 20 years in the company, and he was able to give me some guidance in terms of personal as well as professional. So I, I definitely um, appreciate that. And it's really key to really have a mentor where you actually can have conversation with, especially within the profession uh, that you select to to work in, uh, and so I, I would say if you have, if you are very, if you're fortunate to find a mentor, I would definitely uh, encourage everyone to have one. And, and do you still today? Do you have mentors? Do you have coaches or advisors? Or so I would say, I don't have any coaches or. Uh, any mentors right now. What I have right now are a few people in which I will run things by, and I think that's important. But uh, even though I actually don't have any mentors right now or coaches, uh, I, I would I would really encourage everybody that no matter where you are in life, you still can have a coach or a mentor to take it to the next level. So if I if I am trying to go to the next level, it's probably good to reach out to those individuals who are at the place that you are so that you can have that connection or ladder to get there. And that's really what I would say mentors and coaches can do because I know I have mentors, some people and they will ask me questions or advice, and I can pretty much already see where they're going to go based on the decisions that they make. 
Interesting. And you know that that's the thing. Now you're the person that people are looking up to. You know, um, you're a VP. You have a nice corner office with a beautiful view. I'm looking out the the windows. Um, you know, you're kind of the shop caller, um, establishing and, and doing a lot of the strategic thinking behind. You know, the the, the practice that you're over. So. You know, people look up to you. So what would you say to the people across the table that are looking up to you who want to be where you are, um, young people trying to pick careers and trying to make career decisions? And, and one of the things I talk about sometimes in terms of even if you could talk to Ken, you know, 10, 20 years ago, what are some things about, career, you know, as far as career decisions and um, staying especially in IT, on top of the, the changing trends? Any, any particular advice? So I would say if I had to do it over again or if I were to uh, share with my three boys and if they wanted to be in the, the IT space, I would encourage them when they get out of college to potentially work for one of the top five, ten consulting firms. And the reason why I say that to start out is that when you're working for um, one of those consulting firms, whether it's um, Capgemini or, or any, any one of those type of companies, uh, what, what they will do is they will put you on many assignments multiple assignments and they will be no more than duration of nine months, six months, three months and you're working with many consultants or many clients. And what that will do is one that will give you a lot of exposure very quickly as opposed to if you worked for just one company. Now everyone can't necessarily do that but this is just looking back in terms of jump-starting uh, one's career because what will happen is uh, you would be able to touch various clients or various companies and then at that point you can actually see whether or not a particular client you like better or not working consulting and and there if you did a really great job that client will take notice and you will get hired after working for that consulting firm so that that's one track that I would I would recommend. The other track that I would take if that wasn't a person's track is that depending on what you really like to do, let's say if you was really big into retail for a particular store, whether it's Walmart or or Macy's or Federal Express or UPS, I have seen various colleagues of mine who have started out, let's say, at UPS as a driver. And part of that, even with the college degree, they had a chance to really learn the business. And they weren't a driver for a long time. It was just a process in which when you know how the business functions and runs, it's at that point where you can make those type of business and leadership decisions. And I would say that's really key because not only will you know the business, but 
you're able to actually make decisions based on things you saw either didn't work right or did work right within the organization. So I, I have seen uh, a gentleman who started as a driver at UPS and became a controller um, within a span of years. Mm -hmm. So that that's two tracks in which I, I would I would recommend. One would be more of a fast track, and then the other would be a little longer. But at that point, you would have become really an industry expert in that particular field. So each track provides its own positives and negatives. But those are two things that I, I, I wish if, if I was just starting out in my college career to be able to at least be aware of certain tracks so that then I could lay out a, a, a uh, vision for myself. On, on where to go. Absolutely, and and, and it, I still feel a theme around that exposure. The the one track is exposure through going to multiple different companies, the kind of that consulting um, track, and then or exposing yourself to a particular area, learning that subject, that business, um, you know, um, and, and then um, you know. So I think that that's very interesting. And then you even talked about even earlier internships. That's, again, that exposure. So it, that, that seems like it's the reoccurring theme that we talked about, even from high school through college. And, and that's, I think that's something that we, is innate to people, especially been in IT for a while, you've got to stay on top of the changing, the ups and downs and the highs and lows. So maybe let's talk about that. I mean, being in this industry for, for 20 years, um, sometimes um, we've seen the industry change, and you've got to know how to go with the flow and, and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Can you think of like an instance in your career where things kind of went a different direction and, and you may have had to adjust or um, and even looking into the, the future, some of the things that we, we've seen, but certainly we've seen some of the trends and different buzzwords along the way. I would say for me, uh, in terms of the ups and downs, I, I really didn't see any ups and downs um, as relates to my career. I think what I've always tried to do is lay out a plan in terms of what I want to do. So when I decided to do that management track, I focused on getting a master's in project management I focused on getting certifications in project management. So therefore, my goal was to be the best in that particular area. So that allowed me to, and then when I had shared with you about that track doing working for a consulting company and you had exposure to various companies, when I was doing independent project management consulting, that was the same thing that I was doing. I was just doing it independently. And so, therefore, I got exposure to various different companies, and it challenged me every time I went to work for that company because I was always coming in new, but my role and goal was to be able to jump right in immediately. So I would say that was 
part of my process in terms of my career. So I don't really see any, I, I didn't really feel any ups and downs about what's going on. But I will say you need to always continue to push yourself. And I would say you always need to educate yourself. And then I will always say you need to be consistent about what you do because the theme that I've been, I've been pretty consistent in terms of the career path or the area in which I've been working. It's always been IT. It's always been development and then project management. So the development has been about seven years and then the remaining of the um, total of over 25 years um, has been some form of management. Excellent. And, and so my other question is around, um, we've seen that, you know, people coming into the IT industry, um, you know, through all the encouragement of STEM and those types of things, people trying to transition in. They may have had other careers and career paths prior to this. What, do you have any type of message to those people um, and, and let me just uh, take a, a, a half-hour break here and just acknowledge we've got people on the phone. If you are on the phone, you can press 1 if you'd like to, to call in or type in one of uh, a question for our guest tonight, which is Ken Reeves. He is the uh, VP here at Charter Global, and uh, we're talking about his career path in information technology. Um, and, and so uh, I'll go back to my question now. And again, like I said, anybody who wants to, to dial in um, and ask or type in a question, I'll, I'll be happy to ask that as well. But talk to me about maybe what advice you might give to people who are in transition. What's your observation? My observation is that the beauty about IT, and we touched on it, but we really didn't go into detail, is that there are so many different roles. You have developer roles, which is the most common or the most popular well-known role. But you also have business analyst roles. You have quality assurance role. You have project management role. You have data uh, database administration role. You have even support roles. So what I would advise someone if they were wanting to get into technology is to understand all those roles and then based on those roles and then based on their own skill sets or what they're strong in to then work and go after those roles. Let's say if you are really good at leading and, and talking to people, then obviously project management role would be a good role. But if you are good at talking and listening and able to write down what the customer or what people are talking about, maybe the business analyst role is the best role for that, for you. Or let's say if you are just uh, witty at really looking at uh, different things and finding the problems, maybe testing within the quality assurance role is the role for you. I think a lot of people, when they think of IT, they're always focusing on the development role, but uh, there are so many other roles that you can play 
to make up a team. And that's what people, I would encourage them to do, is to really first understand where their strengths are, and then from there, understand what the different roles are, and then go after that role. But when you go after that role, you need to make sure you are the you are targeting to be the best at that role. And if you do that, you will have a lifelong career in that particular profession. And you won't have to worry too much about the recession because with an IT, even with the recession, projects slows down. Some projects may come to a halt, but they don't necessarily stop. They will always pick back up uh, once things get moving because no matter what industry you're in, uh, whether you are working in the retail or the hospitality or food and beverage, beverage excuse me, or any of those roles, IT is always the backbone and the foundation. And then you're absolutely right there. And, and then that's the thing is that whatever you're interested in, whatever your passion is, you, you'll, you'll be surprised whether it's from sports to fashion to, um, you know, I've worked in the airline industry, I've worked in the lottery industry, hospital information systems. So you can you those industries you can find you know a passion there and then a subset of that is you know the, the technology thread and and so you can marry the two and that reusable technology skill is you know you can travel from industry to industry we we joked about that you can have ADD but you'll you're, you'll have a long career because um, there's so many different and a variety of opportunities. Um, even within one organization, um, as well as jumping from different industries and applying a, a common skill set, you know, something like project management. You know. it, I have worked in various industries under the same discipline. So we have developers who take their discipline from development, the different languages that they've learned, and they have been able to get jobs through at various industries. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I'm going to actually go to the phone. I, I asked, you know, if any callers had any questions. Again, you can press one, and, and if you, you have a question, um, we do have a caller that, that joined us. So um, I'll, I'll give you a few minutes. We're talking with Ken Reeves. And uh, it looks like they're they're typing in a question. So when we get their question, we'll be happy to read your question um, on the air. He's been taking us through his career path that has led him to Charter Global. And and let me ask a, a one other area I want to talk about. You kind of talked about at one point you kind of did the independent thing, and then you've done the corporate side. So you'd be a good person to kind of talk about the pros and cons, the decision, because some people are very afraid of that independent track. Um, and um, and then some people feel like that's the only way to go. So what was your experience? I would say being afraid, yep, absolutely. <laughs> I was very afraid and concerned uh, going the independent track, but what had occurred is I had already been working, and I, at that time, I was already an I was already a vice president of another company before, and it was really at the point where I was not trying to climb the corporate ladder anymore, but really just focused on how I could actually uh, 
work on my own and be independently. But I will say what my experience was, it was once you take the first assignment, that's probably the biggest hurdle that you are going to face. And it was really at that first assignment, and that assignment probably lasted about a year. And what I realized, and I will share with with the listeners out there, that in the IT world, pretty much projects and assignments really last between six months to a year and longer. So therefore, uh, you are able to work somewhere on a contract basis, and then as you roll down to the next one, to move on to the next one. So I, I said that to say that it was it was the very first one that was the toughest for me, but once you complete that one and then you move to the next one and then you move to the next one, you don't really think about it as much. Uh, but it's really just that first step, sort of like that first baby step that you that you take as a baby uh, that you feel like you're going to fall, but you actually have begun to walk. And so I would really encourage uh, people who are looking to do independent, but before they do that, I would say you need to make sure that you're good at what you're doing before you do that because it is uh, challenging and it is competitive. So you want to make sure when you are doing contract work that you actually are um, prepared. Now, at Charter Global, uh, we we do provide, you could work at a company, let's say Charter Global, where you can do contract work or work at different companies uh, and still either be under the umbrella as a, a permanent person working with a company like ours or uh, allowing us to help you find the projects as you are going from project to project. Uh, when I was uh, working, I was working on um, I was getting assistance from companies like Charter Global as well as finding my own so that you can also work that way too where you can be looking for your own uh, projects as well as getting assistance from other uh, companies like Charter Global. Absolutely. Very interesting. Very intriguing. So I'm actually going to open up so you don't just hear my voice to, tonight and let's see. You know, this is live radio, so... Um, I'm opening up the mic, and the last four is zero six three four. Do we have a caller on the line? Hello, yes. My name is Hello, Dawn. And, hello, Dawn. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Oh, hello, thank Dawn. you. Hello. Hi, Ken. Um, How are you? Finding yourself, enjoying the show, and all the information that you have uh, provided thus far. Um, and um. I'm- and you all speaking to those who are uh, looking to possibly make a transition into the IT field, um, you raised a good question for me in finding out, um, you know, and honing into the skills that, that you currently have and trying to um, translate that into like you said, possibly a business analyst or a project manager um, or even uh, 
it's a tester, would you recommend then uh, once a person has done that to possibly just volunteer at various organizations um, within the IT industry or even perhaps reach out to companies themselves and try to volunteer to possibly get a foot in the door or um, get noticed some type of way or volunteer, um, I guess, or maybe even uh, reach out to some of those people in the field um, that you can find on LinkedIn? What I would do is once you picked that particular role, uh, there are organizations for every one of those roles, uh, whether it's business analyst or quality assurance or project management or development, and they even have certifications. Uh, so one would be uh, join those groups where you can do networking and then uh, working on a certification. And then what I would also do is that instead of doing the volunteering, I would say what you would do is you would go and actually work for a company, but maybe at a a beginner or junior level role. So they do have in every of the roles a I would say junior business analyst, a mid-level business analyst, and a senior business analyst, and, and each of those roles have a different pay grade. And the difference of them, in addition to pay, is the expectations for that particular position. So if you came on board at a junior quality assurance or tester role, that's your way to get your foot in the door and be able to really, one, show that particular company that you uh, can do the job, but then it also gets additional skills and, and experience under your belt. And from there, as you are progressing, you can then command more, more dollars as well as commanding more jobs. So that's what I would encourage you to do. Volunteering, but uh, you can definitely do the volunteering, but I, I would I would encourage you to from a transition standpoint to see if you can actually get a job um, in that particular role that you want to really work in on. But maybe not at that senior level, maybe a little a little lower level where the expectations aren't that great and and then you can really shine and over exceed. Okay. Thank you. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Don. And um, I, we also have, as you guys heard earlier in the show, um, our co-host, Dave Blackman. And uh, I know you had to, to step away, but Dave, I know that you want to uh, also speak with Ken. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Thanks, Jacqueline. Ken, uh, the question I had about contracting has to deal with the transition between two contracts. Um, sometimes you're fortunate to have that umbrella company, such as Charter Global, to fill that space and either provide additional training as you transition to another contract. What are the different uh, ways you've seen that transition occur, and, and, and how do you suggest an individual handle that transition? Should, should they start looking for another position before the contract ends, or should they wait until it ends? Uh, what's your experience, and what's your uh, best advice in that scenario? So my best advice is that <clears throat> uh, when there are the times when you know when your assignment is going to end, 
what I would do is around 45 days prior to that end date, start having conversation with your current client to understand whether or not they want to extend your contract. And at that point, around that 45th day, if if then they they know that they don't want to extend, it's at that point where you begin to look for other opportunities. And and so that that's a very uh I wanna say tricky time because when you're doing contracting, typically when you begin to look, the clients will pretty much wanna bring you on board a lot faster than a permanent position. So it's the dance where you don't want to start looking 90 days ahead of time because that's just so way out that that particular contract job will not be available by the time your contract ends, and you don't want to leave that particular contract early. And then you don't want to wait just two weeks before your contract ends because that's not going to give you enough runway time to really make sure that you do your interviewing and and get your hiring. So what I've been doing pretty much is right around the 45th day is when I would begin to have conversation with the client, uh, and it will be at that point where transition occurs. Now, that's when you actually know when your contract ends. The other area or the other uh, track is when, let's say, your contract gets cut short. Well, at that point, the goal is for you to actually have at least 30 days to 45 days worth of dollars set aside so when you are um, going to look for an opportunity or that contract gets cut short, that you have that runway time to find the next assignment. Great. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Well, thank you, and thank you to uh, uh, both of our uh, those questions, great questions. And, and um, uh, to anyone else on the phone, first of all, I want to kind of set aside that Ken is going to join us again. Hopefully he's had a great experience tonight and sharing his experience, his wisdom, and we'd love to have him back because we, we have whole other areas to, to dive into. You're in an area of professional services. And a lot of people may not even fully understand what professional services is. So maybe you can give us a little bit of a teaser, but we'll we'll dive into that a little bit more. But share with people, what is it that, that the area that, that you oversee, that area? So the area that when we say professional services, uh, and professional services could uh, be different in different industries, but for our industry, uh, it's all about providing um, opportunities for people who are looking for jobs, and then it's also uh, connecting that client with the right person for them. And so we do that in two ways. One way is through permanent placements, and then the other way is through contract work. So part of our strategy really is trying to find that right connection for someone is looking and and what our goal is is when uh, someone is actually looking for that next assignment is for us to connect them with the right client. Uh, and part of, because we've been in the business a little bit long, we can be able to communicate to that particular candidate to say, 
here are some opportunities, here is the way that particular client uh, works, here is the environment, uh, here is some of the, um, the advantages, some of the disadvantages. And then on the other side, from a client standpoint, we're able to really help the, the client shorten the time for when they are looking for that candidate. And then from that standpoint, uh, we have 60-plus recruiters that can really zone it in really, really closely. And from there, uh, we do screening, uh, we do background check uh, to make sure that when uh, that client begins to interview or look at that resume, that it's a really good fit for that particular client and the candidate. Absolutely. I figure that sometimes it's kind of a matchmaker between the client and the right candidate and, you know, a, a win-win situation on, on both sides. And, and that's why it was so, that's why I kind of wanted to queue up this show, let people get to know Ken Reeves, what you do, um, and then we can really explore it when we talk again about what are some of the, the trends in the industry, skill sets. Maybe you want to touch on a, a couple uh, that, that you've seen uh, for our audience? I would say what we have seen in 2015 and what is continued to be seen in 2015 is really around mobility and big data and Salesforce. Those are three core topic areas that we're really seeing a lot of growth in. Uh, big data really has come about with all of the different mediums that exist now through Facebook, through uh, all these other types, Twitter, all these type of feeds uh, where companies are now uh, having access to so much amount of information that when, we, when they say big data, it's really lots of information and then from there, what exactly are they doing with it and how they can actually, one, uh, provide additional accurate information to their customers or how they can actually understand what they need to uh, take in to be able to um, help their business runs a lot smoother. Mobility, everyone has a phone and from that standpoint uh, companies and organizations are now building apps in order to really um, provide that experience as relates to um, providing different ways and, and interactions to communicate via through the mobile phone. Uh, there is a, a, a tool called Salesforce.com uh, that uh, is really a big uh, customer relationship management tool and what they've been able to do is really change the uh, really map in terms of that whole uh, customer relationship around um, the interaction with sales as well as connecting with uh, their customers. Um, as it relates to roles, there, even back in the uh, previous years, there's always been developers and there's always been engineers, uh, but what we've also been seeing is that uh, clients are looking more of engineers to really help them navigate around these various uh, tools and applications such as um, Java.net uh, uh, and Hadoop to really help them really 
um, build the next and greatest application for uh, their customers as well as their internal uh, people. Excellent, excellent. So I, I won't queue up a, a, another question. I just, you know, our, our time is almost up. It's been great talking to you. Thank you for our, my first experience of a live interaction, and we'll also be posting a video out to our new YouTube channel, so we're really excited about that as well. Um, but it's been great talking with you, hearing about your background, and um, I know that our audience, they're, they're funders. There's a lot of people on different points in their career path. You're someone that they, they look up to and can look up to. Um, and then there's a lot more that we can talk about about Charter Global. This is an exciting organization doing some great things. We're just going to put that carrot out there. Okay. And uh, we're, we're definitely going to have you back, and we're going to um, continue just to kind of explore. So to our listening audience, and, and Dave, if you're there, if I, I don't know if you have any uh, closing words as well, but to our listening audience, thanks as always for joining us. Um, look throughout our technologyexpresso.com archives for other shows of other thought leaders, leaderships in the, uh, leaders in the IT industry who have um, achieved success like Ken has in his career, providing advice and guidance to you. And as always, you can email us at technologyexpresso at gmail.com. If you have a question or a topic, or you'd like to be the person on the other side of the microphone. So we um, thank our listeners as always. Thank you, Don, for uh, dialing in. Dave, are you still there? Yes, I am, and I want to extend my thanks to Ken as well. And, yes, there there will be more. There's other questions. There's a lot more about Charter Global that we have yet to hear and their success. Uh, so we look forward to having you guys back on, and this is just the beginning. Thanks again. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's all for tonight's show. Thank you, everyone, and have a pleasant evening. See you next time. Welcome to another edition of Technology Expresso Cafe Radio. Dave and Jacqueline bring you up close and personal to the innovators, contributors, and creative minds in and around technology today. Visit their website at www.technologyexpresso.com. There you will find their broadcast with guests from all across the technology spectrum, their social media handles, and related content. So sit back with Dave and Jacqueline as they serve up Technology Expresso fast, hot, and